to be honest, I, I've always, I mean, I did IT for 20 years and it's great. Like it exercises, it scratches this itch in my brain to like have everything be ordered and working well. And I, I could sit down and like write computer code all day and it's really fun. But what I love is what I get to do now. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey friends, so I wanna get real with you for just a quick second here, okay? So my wife and I decided it was time to take a risk and for me to leave my day job as head of growth at a marketing agency and go all in on Spontaneous and the Behind the Stays podcast. This is both incredibly exciting and also terrifying. Um, it's exciting because it means I'll have way more time to make the show better and to spin up new products and services designed to help you grow your hospitality brands and short-term rental businesses. And it's terrifying because I'm saying goodbye to a nice paycheck and health benefits and 401k match and yada yada. Oh, and did I mention that we just had a kid and who's just two months old? Yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting time. Okay, so here's here's the ask, all right? In order to grow the show and increase the value of the content we create, we need the support of our advertising partners. Now, trust me, I know how tempting it is to just skip through podcast ads. I feel you and I'm a culprit too, okay? But it would mean the world to me if you could take just 60 seconds to write an email to the guesty team or DM them on social media and just thank them for being a behind the stage sponsor. Perhaps you have a PMS system already or perhaps your short-term rental business is just getting started and you you don't need one of the dozens of incredible features and offers that their software provides. And that's all a-okay. But if you just take a quick second to thank them for being a sponsor on the show, what you're really doing is you're really saying, hey, I like the show. Thank you for helping it continue. And thank you for making Zach uh, be able to spend more time making the show even better for us. So this will also just help uh, prove to my wife that this quote unquote podcasting thing can be more than just a hobby. So if you don't mind pausing the episode that you're listening to right now and scrolling down to the show notes to find Guesty's social handles and their marketing team's email address and shooting them just a quick message, thanking them for advertising on the Behind the Stays podcast, I would be so grateful. All right, folks, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Doug Heastand, the owner of the Desert of Maine, a unique and intriguing roadside attraction located in Freeport, Maine. In this podcast, Doug shares his journey of transforming the Desert of Maine from a simple tourist attraction to a thriving hospitality company. Doug and I explored the origins of the Desert of Maine, its unique geological features, and the challenges that Doug and his partner faced when they took over the business. Doug shares how he implemented innovative strategies and creative ideas to rebrand the attraction and turn it into a destination that offers a range of exciting activities and experiences for all sorts of visitors. Throughout the conversation, Doug emphasizes the importance of taking risks, embracing change, and following your passion when pursuing your entrepreneurial dreams, even if it goes against convention. He shares his insights into the importance of customer service and creating memorable, unforgettable hospitality experiences for visitors to the desert of Maine. And finally, Doug's inspiring story and valuable insights will leave you feeling motivated and inspired to pursue your own entrepreneurial dreams in the hospitality space. All right, folks, without further ado, get ready to meet Doug. All right, Doug, we are live. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing okay, although I um, I don't know if you can see this like triple Band-Aid on my finger. I was making some like shrimp scampi last night, and I was cutting up some garlic, and I uh, sliced a bit of my finger off. So um, it was a bloody, it was a bloody affair. Um, it was one of those things where it looks like a thousand times worse than it actually feels, right? Um, but anyways, other than that, I'm doing great. Well, I'm glad you're willing to play injured today. <laughs> brave. 
Very brave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like it would have been like a really embarrassing excuse of like, you know, I'm so sorry. Can't do the pod today. I sliced <laughs> a bit of my finger off while, uh, while mincing some garlic. <laughs> um, well, dude, I'm super pumped for this conversation. I am really actually inspired by what you're doing and what you're building. I get the privilege of talking to lots of folks who are doing some really cool things in the hospitality space. But I have to say, I, I haven't come across anyone that's doing quite what you're doing. So I'm I'm just like intrigued to unpack a little bit more about who, you know, you are, of course, but what you're what you're building. And so I thought it'd be fun to just start by hearing a little bit about what the desert of Maine actually is yeah i get this question a lot um it's a really weird place uh but weird in the best possible way so if you read our website it says it's 20 acres of rolling sand in the middle of a main forest uh and a lot of people are suspicious that we trucked that sand in but really it's a deposit of sand from the last ice age this giant glacial deposit and it's really stunning, you know, these uh, these sand dunes, right, with the backdrop of these pine trees. And it's just kind of, you know, visually stunning, I would say. But there's really a lot more to it in, in the sense that there's so much history here. Hmm. Um, you could start at the 1800s when this farming, you know, this family tried to farm this land, just like every other family that was farming in Maine at that time, trying to make a go of it. And they, um, during the, around the civil war, they put on a bunch of sheep on the land because the price of wool had spiked huh. and sheep are really close grazers. And they started eating the grass by the roots and, you know, little patches of sand started appearing everywhere. And the next thing they knew, you know, sand was everywhere and they, they eventually had to abandon the farm. Wow. So, yeah, uh, at, that fan, farm became abandoned for, you know, a few decades. And then eventually some guy bought it in 1926 and turned it into one of Maine's earliest roadside attractions. And it's been a tourist attraction, you know, ever since, nearly 100 years. And we're just the latest in a long line of people uh, wacky, crazy people trying to make a go of running this as a tourist destination. Wow. Wow. Very, very cool history there. I mean, you, you don't like, I feel like desert in Maine can't be in the same sentence, right? Which I'm sure you also get a lot. Like it just, it's, it does seem hard to believe. And I was looking through the photos on your all's Instagram and, and your website and it, it is sort of like, wait, this is in Maine. Are you like, are you, is, is this real? It, it does look sort of like manufactured. So that history is, is super, super interesting. So how did you, how did you stumble upon this roadside attraction to begin with? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, very serendipitous. We moved here about six years ago from Massachusetts and just randomly bought a, you know, a, a house that abuts the property. So the desert main was in our backyard and it was always sort of a, a really weird spot. And I think the last 20 years um, haven't been kind to the desert main in, huh. in terms of like, it's a business model, it's sort of a tacky roadside attraction. And that, that business model um, has sort of run its course. So it, was really dilapidated. Not many people went to the desert of Maine. I mean, back in the heyday, like the forties and fifties, you couldn't park here. We have photos of, um, you know, old fashioned cars just lining the street and, but recently not so much. And, um, so it was behind our house, but we didn't really give it too much thought. Yeah. Um, no one from Freeport really ever went there, to be honest, which is the town we live in. But um, one night I was just, actually it was in the morning, I was in, um, I'm so sorry, I was in um, just reading my phone. Yeah. And um, sorry about this. Thing. No. I'm kidding. Uh, no. I was reading my phone. It was in the Boston Globe that the, um, place had come up for sale and it was like a national news story. Wow. And uh, I was like, oh, that's, you know, we should go check that out. And it was being sold as a campground. 
And as a campground, it it was a very small campground. I yeah. think they had like 50 RV sites. In the previous years, they had 20% occupancy while every other place around here was like mostly fully booked. So it was really run down and would have taken a lot of um, capital really to, to get to it around. Yeah. So a lot of, yeah. So my initial thought was like, honestly, I was like, I was excited to just have the it's 50 acres and just uh i i ride dirt bikes i thought oh, i could just like ride my dirt bike on these dudes <laughs> be really fun and um but my ex-wife um wife at the time she she saw it like totally differently she she there's a barn there from the 1800s and she's a musician and she said this place should be a performing arts venue. Huh. We should fill that barn with music. So she had this really incredible vision. And um, honestly, like we, we put in a bid for it. We put in a bid that was basically just the price of the land assigning $0 to the value of the business. And, and that was enough really to win. Wow. Um, and yeah, it just sort of took over our lives. Initially, I, at this time, I was like an IT person, okay. um, not really thinking I would get into the hospitality space, but I, I just really fell in love with the place. And, you know, here we are. We just like wake up every day and and really, really love um, restoring this place to its former glory. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a, you know, what a cool history and what a cool project, right? It, it seems like it's one of those projects that the the work is is never ending right like there's there's always something to do or that you could do and you've got you've got this like really interesting canvas to to play with there are three questions that i get asked all the time by listeners of behind the stays number 1 zach are you trying to imitate guy raz from npr's interview style Number two, Zach, do you really spend a dozen hours each week looking for the best Airbnb deals? And number three, Zach, is Guesty for Hosts really worth checking out? Well, friends, the answer to all three of these questions is, of course, yes. While there are many property management softwares on the market, I always encourage our listeners to check out Guesty for Hosts. Guesty's channel manager centralizes reservations across Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com to stay on top of your listings without having to hop back and forth between channels. Guesty's automation tools enable you to connect with guests in a meaningful, creative, and instant fashion. And Guessy's new and improved website builder allows you to create your own branded booking website in just minutes, which allows you to grow your brand and increase your direct bookings. And finally, Guesty is positioned well to grow with you. As your business grows, you can grow with Guesty for Pros by unlocking new features and offerings designed for larger portfolios. So here's the deal. If you're an STR host without a PMS system or a host looking at exploring a new one, I've got a treat for you. The team at Guesty is giving Behind the Stays listeners and spontaneous subscribers $20 off an annual or monthly plan for Guesty for hosts when they use the discount code SPONTANEOUS when signing up for a free 14-day trial. There's no credit card required. There's no setup fee. Uh, there's no commitment. So try it out and cancel anytime if you don't love it. Guesty for hosts. They're the bestie of top-rated STR super hosts. All right, folks, back to the show. And I'm interested in, in hearing a bit about just sort of the business side of things. So so at the point at which you guys acquired this roadside attraction, what were like the core revenue streams? I assume people oh. were paying to camp there, right? People were probably, yeah. what, paying for like a, a day pass to kind of walk around the dunes or like what, yeah. what were sort of those core rev streams and um, how, how, if at all, have, have you evolved those since you guys acquired the place uh, a few years ago? Yeah, I, so the, one of the first things I did was ask the campground broker for the the books, and they were they were bad. They had been losing money for years. Um, like you mentioned, they did have a day pass. I think it was six dollars to get in, and maybe twelve if you wanted to get a tour okay. of the desert. Okay, and uh, they would t tow you around. Um, they had a jeep, an old 
rusting Jeep and a passenger tram. And they'd load people on this passenger tram. There'd be a, a guy with a megaphone and they would just, you know, tell you the history of the desert. Um, so that was their core revenue stream. They did have this campground and it was, you know, these RV spots um, and they were really right next to each other. Every Everyone was really, um, they jammed in as many as they could. And they were charging like $35 per night um, to stay here, but, you know, not many people chose, uh, really came. So yeah. it was mostly um, these tickets to to see the desert. And I think their revenue and for the f- several years before we acquired it was roughly $80,000 per year. And their expenses um, exceeded that by a little bit. So they were unfortunately losing money. Yeah, um, yeah but not great. Um, so people would nowadays, come. They could come. They could come visit. They could come stay. But yeah. you know, visiting visiting is 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 a drop in the bucket. And even staying, right, parking overnight, like there there weren't actual accommodations at all. I know, like I want to talk no. about some of the things that you guys have done in in just a second here. But there was no like cabin, or there was no, no. there was no place people could actually stay. Okay, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, these days, I mean, we've now we're now on we're going into year five of a of a really I would say ambitious, slightly crazy renovation where um, we've knocked down buildings and really just um, breathed new life into every aspect of it. So um, we have a bunch of revenue streams. We have uh, similar to the old model that we do have a, a general admission to the desert, but when you go out onto the desert these days, it, there's all sorts of exhibits, um, that you can take in. We have a mile long loop around the desert. It's a self-guided tour. We have a staff ecologist that's built an ecology tour. There's some really interesting stuff happening at the edges of the dunes. Um, we relocated a farmhouse, uh, from, New Hampshire that's from the 1700s and set it up to be a living history museum of what that family from the 1800s would have, uh, what life would have been like for them. We uncovered, there was like a spring house that had been built in the 1930s here, but was buried under 40 feet of sand. So we excavated that and it's a very, very cool historic building with a wishing well. We have all these exhibits for kids. We have a fossil dig experience because the desert actually, um, if you were to dig down, there would be, it was the ancient sea floor. So we have a 30 foot whale skeleton and place where they can dig for shark's teeth and then all sorts of other spaces like um, an imaginative labyrinth that kids can go through and dig for gemstones called gemstone village. Um, You have a train that goes around the desert just helps people get around, but it's fashioned after an 1800s train, like the main central railroad. Wow. So lots of things to do on the desert. So, okay. Uh-huh. I, I just have to pause you because I, <laughs> I, I, I no, no, no. Yeah, it is a lot, but it's super interesting. Like you, you don't strike me like you, you see, <laughs> Doug, like you said, you're an IT person. You don't strike me as yeah. like an IT person. Um, and maybe that's just because the IT people that I know, are not necessarily the most creative or or imaginative. Um, again, maybe that is maybe that's a stereotype, or maybe I just know all the wrong IT people. But uh, like like where 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 does this like passion or this like vision or this like I'll, I'll even just call it like artistic expression come from? Like have you have you always been this way? Like I, I the the amount of energy right and the amount of commitment <laughs> and the amount of just quite frankly imagination it would take. I think anyone to take a roadside kind of like run of the mill like slightly run down roadside attraction and turn it into this like multi-sensory sort of experience right that that it's just an, it's just a remarkable amount of of work right so so w- what like what drives you like how the heck like why why are you doing this <laughs> uh that's a really good question zach i think i had a psychological break during covid um no i'm just kidding <laughs> No, I mean, to be honest, I, I've always, I mean, I did IT for 20 years and it's great. Like it exercises, it scratches this itch in my brain to like have everything be ordered and working well. And I I could sit down and like write computer code all day and it's really fun. But what I love is, um, 
what I get to do now, which mm-hmm. is connecting with people. And um, I, I think you'll you'll hear this like if you spend a day here, um, or if you you know as we talk further, I, you'll I think what you'll feel is that um, we just really really love um, this place, and the what we love about it is creating sort of a magical experience for people. And I'm actually not lying about COVID. Um, That's really when a lot of things shifted. Realized that like, you know, we had, we were were in a very divisive environment. Like our world has become very divisive and we wanted to create a place um, where people could come together, um, realize their common ground, a very welcoming place. And then, just thinking back to our memories of our own family, um, COVID was actually an amazing time for us. Like, uh, I mean, I feel guilty saying that, but we, it was a time when we were, we just got a lot of family time. Yeah. And we think back to like, what are our most memorable moments are? And it's these moments when we went away as a family and disconnected from our busy lives. Yeah. And those were the moments when we put down our devices and really just like created amazing memories. So we just wanted to do that. That just felt like an important thing to do, create a place where people could come and disconnect and feel the magic and feel the the stories of history and just really be present with each other. Hmm. And um, yeah, so it's not hard to get out of bed and, and do that. It feels like this incredible gift to like be able to create uh you know engage creativity and 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 just make um that sort of experience for other people what's real what's really interesting doug and i, and I want to talk about sort of how you guys have expanded the the offerings of of desert yeah. of maine in just a second here but what, what is really interesting is a lot of folks in the hospitality space, right, they, they think that the way to grow, especially the Airbnb host, short-term rental host, right, like growth growth is sort of like synonymous with like portfolio expansion, right? Yeah. Um, and and of course, you know, that that is a, 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 a well sort of like charted path towards, towards growth. But, right, one of the things I like geeking out about with folks is, is this idea that like growth can look different, right? Growth growth doesn't necessarily have to mean portfolio expansion. It could mean, right, experiential expansion or cultivating, building these like really unique differentiated experiences. It could look like introducing other sorts of like product lines to your, your short-term rental, right? Whatever that might mean and, and uh, make sense in, in your respective context. And so what's really cool about what you're doing, what you guys are doing at Desert Domain is you've got this like, massive playground right of ways to create and cultivate experiences some which are are monetized some probably which which are not but it gives you this like ability to not just have to think about expanding the number of units right that you all have as part of your portfolio but actually no 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 how do we create really compelling really engaging really really meaningful experiences and how do we, you know, charge something for those experiences, right? In order to, to you know, make this work, and in order to enable us to continue to invest in these these spaces and and in right. what we're building. So, so talk to us a little bit about how you all have expanded Desert of Maine's offerings, and and how you kind of like wrestle with this question of how are we going to make. What, what exactly are we doing? Are we a hospitality business? Are we a roadside yeah. attraction? Are we both? Um, walk us through some of your your recent thoughts on all of this. Well, first of all, I love that you bring that up, like this, how people in the short-term rental business really sometimes can get stuck thinking about growing their portfolio. And it really, it, you can just almost, uh, I was I just came back from the STR Wealth Conference and so much of, what was discussed was, you know, spreadsheets and, and cash on cash return. And it was just like, it was a little bit gross if I'm being honest. Um, Where's like, I guess I think people can overvalue, think that like by chasing a bigger portfolio with better returns, that this is somehow going to deliver happiness for them. And it's just, um, 
I, I think you have to figure out what, why you're doing it. And for me, it's, uh, yeah, of course, like you said, it, this has to be sustainable. We have to create a, create a great business so we can continue to invest. We don't want to get into that position that the last owners were in where they were sort of in this downward spiral and yeah. unable to, to really, you know, make the necessary improvements it needed. But the reason we're in it is just so much more than just like wringing every dollar of profit out of this. So like we absolutely love it. And we have, you know, these people who come like the, the, the visitors, they're just filled with such joy and I interact with them every day. It's, it's, you know, it's just so great. And then we also have all these, once you create that energy with all these amazing collaborators um, from you know, the town I live in, but artists and uh, the people that help build it. So, um, yeah, I, I think of I think of it as much more than, you know, the financial return is just one part of a of a big equation of what you get out of it. So. Um, yeah. One. Yeah. So you're right. It is a canvas, a blank canvas in a lot of ways. And a lot, some of the things we've done um, just to answer your question um number one we like went hard into like revamping the the campground experience hmm. we cut the number of sites in half and started building cabins um and really like made that campground in a, an incredibly unique place to stay yeah uh, so that's been a, a huge um driver of revenue for us um we added a mini golf course last year um really fun i mean this this course is um right on the edge of the dunes and instead of it being like pirate themed or dinosaur themed it's it tells this the history of the desert of maine so it's like our own theme essentially so people can engage with the like many stories here just you know through a round of mini golf um <laughs> that's amazing that's great. Uh, and we have a re we have a retail store where people can you know buy um gifts and um, souvenirs and things like that. And a snack bar where you can get a, you know, cattle corn, grilled kielbasa, you know, ice cream, things like that. It's everything. It's everything you could possibly want in a roadside attraction. <laughs> like I'm thinking about those like massive signs that you see on like highways. Yes. It's like exit here for Wonderland oh, or like a drive through, you know, zoo or whatever. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I feel like you're 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 one of those people. Um, you guys are, you guys, <laughs> you guys are these like massive billboards that like, I never actually like pay attention to, but I'm always intrigued by, I'm like, what is that? I should exit, but I'm trying to get to, you know, wherever I'm going. Um, but, but that, but that's amazing. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. On, on the hospitality front, on the, on the cabin front, so... How did you guys, you, you ended up going, if my understanding is correctly, with um, some designs from Den, um, and you helped use used their designs for um, for your your cabins. How did you find Den, and or like how did you come to the conclusion that you were going to use uh, sort of some sort of like prefab, uh, or at least sort of like you know pre uh, pre written designs as opposed to do something yourself? I I, I like asking this yeah. question because a lot of folks in the industry I think do struggle. Like, hey, do I want to do my own thing or do I want to actually just take something that's incredibly well designed already and just just build that? So how did you come to that decision? 
Well, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot here. The first uh, year I actually engaged um, the civil engineering firm we had at the time to design our own cabin. I knew I wanted to do an A-frame. Uh, and so they designed this thing and it took a really long time. And when we went to go build it, like our, our construction team was like, hmm, I mean, like none of these, like where the like beams meet the ground was like this custom fabricated metal part that was like $3,000 per. And there was like eight of them per cabin. I was like, it was like, they designed like a skyscraper. It was um, <laughs> totally custom and a, a really an absurd amount of money to build. So I really felt stupid, to be honest, that I hadn't like engaged the construction team sooner to get the like reality of what it would take to build them. Even though the, like the civil engineering firm had a budget, they, they just ignored it essentially. <laughs> so I started, you know, looking up for different ideas and came across Dan there. Um, we're kind of a startup when we found them and they're all over, you know, Instagram and they have these beautiful renderings of their cabins. And um, I sent them a message. I said, you know, I want to build a bunch of these in my campground. I move fast. I want to talk to someone. And literally like two hours later, I was on the phone with Mike, who's the CEO. Wow. So they, they also move fast. I just love their, the, this is such a great company. Um, they really are nimble and I love that. Uh, we bought two of their models, uh, okay. the kit, which is, I, you know, their smaller one. It's this very romantic A-frame for basically two people with this huge triangle, triangular window of glass, which we set right overlooking the woods and there's a stream below. So those things are, are awesome. Um, and then we built some of their larger ones, the Bunk Plus, which um, has a bathroom and is a little bit of a bigger cabin. Um, much cheaper to build for us. And um, yeah, they went up really quickly. And the company was yeah really incredible to work with, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, I, I know that I, I found them on Instagram as well. I actually had uh, their, their CEO, Mike, on this podcast, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. And he's just, he's just incredible. Such a, such a fun dude. But yeah, anyways, super impressed by what, by, by what they're doing. And what I like, what I like about what, um, you just, you just mentioned Doug is that, th I mean, their designs are just absolutely beautiful and it, yes. it, and they move so freaking quickly. And like, that's, that's the hard thing is a lot of the times when you're engaging like a, a local art architect or, you know, designing something on your own, it's great. And the customization is, is awesome. And if you have the time and resources and whatnot to just kind of play with it, how you will, you should absolutely go with that, you know, go that route. Most of the folks like don't have that time or, or expertise. Um, and so working with an organization like, like Den can be, can be super helpful, but so you get these cabins up, um, and, mm -hmm. and, and you get this mini, uh, uh, golf course built, like you're constantly doing these new things. Are you, are you like, like, does it cost separate? Like, are you, do you have to pay to, 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 to golf? Like, is it, is it included in your like day membership fee? Like, how do you think, talk to us i guess really my, my bigger question for you doug is like as you add amenities right as you add yeah. offerings are you increasing sort of the the daily rate to participate in this are you charging for each individual experience like what is the business i guess case yeah. for for each of these additions yeah that's a great great question so for the most part we don't love nickel and diming people yeah so as we've added exhibits and the train ride and all these things, all that stuff's just included with your daily admission. The one, the obviously staying here, you know, that's, that's separate. That's charged just like any other cabin on Airbnb. Yeah. And the one, the one amenity or experience that we've had to charge separately for was mini golf. And, and I think it's, um, the reason it's a huge investment, yeah, uh, right. And you know, there's sort of a, a a set industry, you know, market price for a round of mini golf, and I didn't want to bundle that in for people that didn't have time to do it or you know weren't interested, yeah. um, because you know I wanted to keep those prices for general admission as low as possible. So that's a separate thing. If you want to bundle it together, you get a nice discount for that. In fact, if you want to stay and do all of that stuff, you know, there's packages that 
make it all very uh, inexpensive. But yeah, those are the three main sort of separate revenue streams, staying with us, enjoying the day on the desert or playing around a mini golf. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Um, what what has been most challenging about this project so far? Like when like well, what is it that keeps you up at night? Yeah, I mean, it it has been uh, a really challenging. It's it's challenging to be managing so many separate simultaneous projects. Yeah. So we have at any given time like five or six construction projects, and so just a lot of moving. Um, you know, pieces, but things are settling down. We're starting to like, after four years of construction, I think this year we won't actually have like an excavator anywhere <laughs> on the property when we open this summer. And I'm very, very excited for that. Um, so, I mean, it's challenging, but it's also really fun. I mean, it's like we, I go every, every day at the end of the day and you just see all this progress. It's like, um, it's just fun to see the vision come come to reality. Yeah. What a talk to me about your your team. Is it is it just you and and your your ex wife kind of working on this together? Are there like other people yeah. like like t- who who's running this? <laughs> yeah. So me and my ex wife are really close. Um, she's she's incredible. Um, she's really the heart and soul of like keeping the story of the desert of Maine. Um, so we don't become just like, you know, a Chuck E. Cheese. Um, <laughs> she is, yeah, she's very thoughtful about how to how to retain like the history of this place and tell those stories. She also runs our nonprofit. So we have a nonprofit um, that oh, wow. where we receive school groups. Um, it's part of their like school curriculum to learn about you know, the desertification of this place. This is kind of a, this is a very relevant and timely um, topic, you know, the loss of topsoil and um, caring for the land. So um, she and I really run it together every day. And then um, I have uh, a woman who is my director of operations, who's just, yeah, she's incredibly talented. And um, she, used to manage um, a large team, 50 people at uh, a contemporary art um, museum. Oh, wow. So she's just uh, operationally really, um, you know, keeps things running uh, really tightly. So she runs and manages, we have a a seasonal staff of about 20 people. Okay. Uh, You know, just grounds crew, people working in the snack bar, dishing ice cream and uh, selling tickets, all that. Um, so yeah, 20 seasonal staff and three core staff. Okay. Wow. Wow. And are you guys, you guys are open what from like June to October, just June to yeah, August? May, like, May to October. May to October? Is, is, okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I, I have to ask for, for the folks who are listening into this conversation, uh, you know, m- most of these individuals are, they're hospitality entrepreneurs. They're, I feel like what's kind of unique about behind the stays listeners is a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are building like really cool, unique brands. They're interested in building boutique hospitality brands. They're not necessarily just in, you know, interested in increasing the size of their portfolio, um, just for the sake of increasing the size of their portfolio. They're, they're very thoughtful builders. They're very thoughtful yeah. entrepreneurs. And again, as I mentioned at the, the, the forefront of this conversation, I don't know, and I, I haven't heard of of too many people that have found these roadside attractions, decided to acquire them, and then spin them up into more contemporary, while also, of course, still honoring the history of these places, but more contemporary yeah. experiences. So uh, how, how have you thought about, how do you think about sort of the progress that you've made? How do you think about this progress, this project, excuse me, in, in the aggregate? Like, is this is this a good business? Like, is this something that you would like recommend others kind of think through? If another opportunity for the you know desert of New Hampshire were to come on the market, like, would you would you be interested in buying something like that? Like, just just kind of talk to us about how how you see this as as a business, um, and and whether or not you see other opportunities for folks to to do things like this. Yeah, I mean, definitely. 
I, uh, I wouldn't go buying roadside attractions. I think it's uh, <laughs> not a great business. <laughs> but there's some key elements here that are good. And that is like, I, I, I saw last week at this conference that the number of, um, you know, short-term rental listings went from 1 million at the beginning of last year to 1.8 million at the end of last year. Jeez. So we're seeing this like huge influx of, of properties. And I think... If you're just trying to exist in the middle of that market with sort of a, you know, run of the mill place, um, it's just going to be hard to fight it out with the other, you know, hundreds of thousands of other listings in the middle. I think it really, people want an experience. They want something unique. Um, so to the extent that you can create a unique experience, you're really not then competing with everyone else. And uh, it just helps you. I think that's where you want to be. I think in general, um, yeah, that, so it doesn't have to be buying a roadside attraction. It can be just leaning into something unique about your property and really going for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. And and I think that that's one of the things we like to encourage folks on, on this show to, to think through a lot is like, you can you can make anything interesting if you're creative enough. You can make anything interesting. You Absolutely. can make anything unique. And I you know I keep I keep waiting for like I was talking to somebody recently um, about potentially designing. I think one of the things he wants to do is design these like hidden escapes where you actually can't like basically in order to even like get invited to book your stay, you have to like it, it's sort of like we were actually talking about this. Okay, so. Uh, you know, you know, uh, Lost Kitchen, right? Uh, the Lost Kitchen, Absolutely. which is in Freedom, Maine, which is I don't know how far that is from Freeport, Maine, but um, my wife and I were binging the HBO series because we got Aaron French's cookbook, and uh, for those who don't know, Aaron French is this uh, incredible uh, restaurateur, if you will, uh, who I think had a restaurant or did something in in the city in New York City, and then decided to leave and then moved back to Freedom, Maine, where she was from. And she's she's basically uh, designed this incredible restaurant where the only way to get access to the restaurant, like a reservation, is if you send a postcard. I think like on April first or something like that, yeah. and then they draw yeah. these postcards and then. They call you and like invite you to come to Freedom, Maine and have like the best meal of your life, basically, right? Like that that's how it's all positioned. Anyways, all that is to say is that this individual was talking about how, how could you replicate something like that in the hospitality space, right? Where like you've got these like really cool like hidden experiences, but in order to get invited to book your stay, right? Like you have to submit, send a postcard to some crazy address. And then in order to find the stay, it's almost like an, a, it's almost like a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a scavenger hunt kind of thing, right? To, to, to get to where you want to be. Anyways, this individual, like we're talking, he's got like, you know, two kind of single family homes right now that are, you know, uh, pretty, pretty sort of average, uh, you know, stays, but he's thinking really creatively about like, okay, what, what could I do next? What could I do a little bit differently? And Again, that doesn't necessarily mean you know have to mean that the place that you know you're leading folks to is this like absolutely remarkable, totally like innovative space. It just means like the journey to get there is is different, right? So I love people that just think very creatively and 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 think about how how can I transform my space or what I'm good at into something that is just going to smell and taste and look just a little bit different than the place next door. Because at the end of the day, that little bit of difference, the margin of difference, right? The margin of difference is what's incredibly important. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com.
Com. can sort of surrender to the creative process like this can it can be it just it's suddenly not a job anymore you're mm. just waking up every day and and trying to you know just being creative um like that that go, for us that goes all the way down to like the emails we send out like you just like for example our confirmation email when you book here we rewrite it every every off season. So for us in the winter, we rewrite it and people have come to anticipate like what this, what this confirmation email will be. And it gets forwarded around. It's, it's so over the top. Like last year's was all about, you know, just our team, like waiting, um, watching them click around the website. And then when they clicked and booked their reservation, like cheers erupted, you know, champagne, uh, popping and we were just uh and like how like we have been waiting for years for them to book and and everything will be like so um on point for them when they come and yeah so people just would write back like i'm literally that you are now my favorite campground of all time like this is just just in the e just by taking a little extra time and not writing some sort of sterile corporate yeah you know, like confirmation, confirmation email, conf you have booking confirmed yeah 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 Yes, exactly. And that's something and that's something Doug that literally anybody can do. Like you yep. anyone can do that. Doesn't matter how what your place is or how big your portfolio is or like how, you know, even how great of like a a a real estate investor you might be. Anyone can write a fantastic confirmation email to their guests. And even if, even if you don't even have a PMS system, right? Like you don't you don't have property management software. You can do this on Airbnb, right? Like you can do this Absolutely. on your OTA with your with your you know trigger based uh, confirmation message that that your guest gets. This takes zero additional money, right? This just takes a little bit of creativity. Yeah, I, people don't want the corporate experience. They want, or at least in my experience, they. I mean, maybe if you go, sometimes you want something like a hotel. That's you're just going for something that's predictable, but. When you're traveling, I mean, people want to be part of the story and they want something unique and authentic. So, yeah, just let your authentic voice come through. Have a sense of humor, too. That also helps. <laughs> that also helps. Uh, Doug, this, is, this has been great. I really I really appreciate your time and, and really everything that you're doing in the space. I think what's super cool about your story and what you all are doing at Desert of Maine is it, it truly is it's, it's unique, right? And you've said, hey maybe you don't want to go buying up every roadside attraction in your town but i i, I would argue too that there, there's there's something that you're doing here like that's working and that's interesting and the right person could try to figure out how to replicate this in another context and i just think that what is most exciting to me again is you've got this place it's different it's unique right a desert in Maine in and of itself is unique. And you're thinking very creatively and intentionally about how to design a truly unforgettable hospitality experience for people that come, whether they're coming for the day or they're coming for a couple nights, right, to, 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 to camp or stay in one of your cabins. And I think this is just, you're, you're sort of this pinnacle example of like the creativity that we need more of in this space, right? The future of travel, the future of hospitality is experiential. And I think that your story, what you guys are doing, is is just a great place for p other people to kind of look and to watch and to think through, um, because it, it's kind of checking all the boxes that I think it need, that you need to check today in hospitality. I really appreciate that. It's it's really great talking to you. I I mean I feel like I'm quite new to the hospitality space, so um, yeah, we're we are just making mistakes and as we go and learning, but. Um, it's just so fun. I mean, this is, uh, I think when people talk about this being a, a lifestyle, what I hear a lot is like, oh, you, you know, you can get, you're not like working for the man. You yeah. can, and um, I think people in the last few years have realized how soul sucking that can be to to expand your life force for someone else. So this gives for, for the right person who has, who, who's a risk taker and, and, and um, wants to do it. You, you, uh, you get the experience of creating something, which is just an, an incredible way to live your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, on that note too, just one last thing that, that, that comment just uh, uh, triggered in, in my own mind is oftentimes if, if you've got the, if you've got the idea, right 
And if you've got a, a decent rough plan for how you might execute on that, you're already like so far ahead of a lot of people like any i think sometimes if you listen to too many podcasts like you know behind the stays if you're too active in like the short-term rental community you you just you fall into comparison right like you start comparing yourself to everybody else or you think oh well like my place isn't you know as pretty as this person's place or wow i don't have a portfolio you know portfolio that's nearly the size of this individual like i suck whatever it might be the the (laughs) the negative sort of like reinforcement that that we all tell ourselves right but but one of the, one of the things that I always find really fun is when you go and you talk to like your family or your friends or people that like don't spend any time really thinking about Airbnbs or 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 hospitality yeah. until they need to book a stay somewhere for a work trip or a family getaway and you start talking to them about like this idea that you have right it is incredible to me everyone like all of a sudden thinks you're like the smartest person in the room they're like whoa like something like that would be amazing. The, a de- there's a desert in Maine. Wait, what? What is that? Like, tell me more. I want to go right. And I think I think it's it's just important to remember that if you if you have a desire, if you've got a heart for this space, and you've got a decent amount of creativity, and you either are a decent executor or you know how to build like the right partnerships so that great execution can happen, it's it's absolutely worth doing because not everyone thinks that way. Like full stop, not everyone thinks that way. In fact, very few think that way. The reality is if you're just listening to these podcasts and watching these YouTube videos, it seems like everybody is thinking this way, but it couldn't, so that couldn't be further from the truth. I love that. That's so true. I get stuck in that too. I'm looking around and just seeing how much further along people are and developing their vision, but yeah, go to the grocery store and, yeah. uh, you know, talk to someone there and they'll be like, wow, that's so cool. Like, what a what a bold idea. I can't believe you're doing that. So, yeah, that, that is really good to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Or or what happens is like, you know, my grandma starts telling uh, her friends that I uh, that I work at Airbnb and I'm like trying to convince her. I'm like, no, grandma, like I have a podcast where I talk to people that have really cool Airbnbs. But in her mind and in, in all of her friends circles, anytime she goes to Florida for her like little reunions, everyone she tells everyone that her grandson works at Airbnb. So. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Doug, Hey, this is, uh, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for what, thanks for, um, just doing what you're doing. We'll have your Instagram link below. We'll have a, your we- a link to your website link below. So if folks want to get in touch, is Instagram the best way for them to reach out or, or how That's else would you? Plan. Okay, great. Yeah. Wonderful. So if you want to get in touch with Doug, if you want to learn more about what, uh, he and the team are up to at desert domain, scroll on down to the show notes, follow them on Instagram, check out their website and get in touch if you so desire. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.